0: Jen, I'll bring that to you. Uh, I want you to listen to what the the former president said about while he was there at Rice Street, and then we'll talk about contrasting that with uh, the experience of some of the people he targeted uh, over these last several years. Let's play it.
1: Terrible experience. Uh, I came in, I was treated very nicely, but uh, it's, uh, it is what it is. I took a mugshot, which I never heard the words mugshot. That wasn't didn't teach me that at the Wharton School of Finance. And uh, I have to go through a process, it's uh, election interference.
0: He was in and out in 20 minutes. Um, But if you contrast that with some of the people he focused on, the individuals, Ruby Freeman, Shea Mm -hmm. Moss, over the last several years, who said that they could not go to grocery stores, they were afraid to go out, people came to their homes. What do you hear there in the president's description of his experience?
2: I just don't think he gets it. And I think, you know, when we see the Marjorie Taylor Greene MAGA mugshot, there seems to be a real disconnect from reality. Look, Rice Street is is a jail that is awful. No right? question. People are dying there because the conditions are so absolutely deplorable. So the fact that he basically got this, this great treatment, he comes in 20 minutes in and out, right, um, done and done, and, and somehow that was... Awful and bad when the reality is people that get booked every day there and that have their mugshots taken and that actually have to be in jail there, this is very, very serious. And so, you know, for all of these people doing these MAGA mug shots, for whatever reason they're doing it, they just have no understand what this really stands for. I mean, this this is not good, right? He is in significant legal trouble. And so whether he thinks this is more of a political thing that he needs to massage or not, as a lawyer, um, he needs to stand down and really focus on his defense because he is facing serious allegations um, that could end him up with serious time in prison. And that mugshot's not going to really mean anything at the end of the day if he's locked up. Can I just ask, because
3: you know Georgia so well, if if Trump is convicted on these charges in state court, if it doesn't get removed to federal, would he go to that jail first? D- yeah. That yes, one that yes. he was in
2: last year. He, he, he would be held there um, until they send him to whatever prison um, he is then he assigned got to him. Time. If okay. he got jail time.
0: Trump was arrested, booked, photographed, fingerprinted, now has an inmate number. He was then released under a bond agreement. He did not pay the full $200,000. Instead, he used a bail bonding company. Joining us now, criminal defense attorney and former prosecutor in Fulton County, Clint Rucker. Uh, Jeremy Saland and Jen Jordan are back with us. Clint, I'm, I'm starting with you, because you're joining the conversation. Uh, for the sheriff who said that um, until somebody tells him different, The president, former president, is going to be treated like everybody else. How close to everybody else was this process for Trump?
4: Well, again, uh, good morning and thank you for having me. Uh, I will tell you that um, the uh, former president was treated uh, like every other defendant in as much as he was required to uh, post a bond to actually appear personally uh, at the Fulton County Jail and go through the normal booking process, which included the surrendering of his fingerprints and the taking of a mugshot photo, the mechanism for accomplishing that though was quite unusual and uh, inasmuch as his status as the former president presented certain security concerns and so uh, they were able to work out that protocol. But uh, in as much as we are now able to see, uh, unfortunately, a former elected president of the United States uh, being booked and charged with a felony and uh, have his mugshot uh, photo plastered across uh, every newspaper uh, yeah. almost in the world, is um, really tragic.
3: It is sort of so we just got the papers. They weren't even here by the time the show started early at five. But here's a Wall Street Journal, Rupert Murdoch, Wall Street Journal, Trump's right on the front there, a little smaller on the Times, Washington Post, same thing. And this is going to be not just here, but around the world. Jeremy, let's just push forward to Monday. Mark Meadows goes before a judge, wants to get this thing moved to federal court. Um, And that would, and, and Trump would want that too. So where does that go on Monday?
1: Meaning, so, there will be a hearing on... What
3: happens Monday, and when do we know the outcome?
1: So, there will be a hearing on Monday, and there are going to be witnesses called on Monday. This is not going to be just some light hearing. It's going to have substance. state. Correct, correct. uh, For Georgia, so, correct. That's that's absolutely correct. So, the issue is going to be, as I've noted many times before, not whether or not these folks, meaning Meadows, for example, and Clark and Trump, were actually serving as officers, although whether Trump is an officer is a separate question... um, It's more of whether or not their actions, while they were serving, were furthering their roles uh, as whatever role they had. Not doing something beyond the scope of their duties in that position. So I think it's going to be difficult for the defense to articulate that. And it doesn't have to be, we'll use the term, proven beyond a reasonable doubt. That's not their role anyway. But it just has to be colorable enough to get them past that threshold. But even that low threshold is not going to be so easy because what what are they doing in the state of Georgia? Why are they mingling in the state of Georgia and the rights of those residents to vote and have their vote counted? That's a difficult hurdle. When is there going to be an answer? Not that day. Okay. Not that day.
0: How much do you think we'll we'll learn uh, that we don't know already from the indictment on Monday?
1: Um, you know, you're going to hear from potential witnesses that you would not have heard of in the grand jury that are not necessarily set forth in the four corners of an indictment. So you will likely learn more because you're going to have an opportunity to hear directly from them.
2: I mean, two of the attorneys um, that were representing Trump world, right, um, and that were on that call with Raffensperger and Meadows um, have been subpoenaed as well, um, as was the investigator, I think her name's Francis Watson. And so the whole point is to show exactly what did Meadows do, um, who did he talk to? What was he asking? Because just because he was the chief of staff for the president just doesn't mean, well, then he gets this special treatment, right? Um, and really what Fonnie Willis's office, what their argument is, is what he was doing was really in violation of the law, not in terms of the indictment, but the Hatch Act, right? When you are. You can't
3: use your public office. That's right.
2: You cannot even be. For personal gain. Or any kind of electioneering or kind of political activity. So you can't then say, well, I was doing this political activity in electioneering, but I was the chief of staff. Ergo, I get this protection. Mm -hmm. Um, It falls outside of that.
3: Clint, given your extensive experience in Fulton County as a former prosecutor there, October 23rd, 59 days from now, as a trial start if they get it right. because one of the lawyers, Kenneth Hughesborough, wants a, a speedy trial, which defendants have a right to. Um, right. Fonnie Willis's team all ready for right. that, no problem?
4: Uh, listen, uh, after 25 years in, of uh, experience in that office and having worked personally with Fonnie Willis, I can tell you that uh, her team is uh, ready and prepared to go. Uh, they were ready uh, for trial uh, when the indictment was handed down. Uh, Those folks have got their witnesses lined up, and they've got their trial notebooks all set. And uh, when October uh, comes, uh, they'll be prepared. And a bit of quick insight. Um, The fact that uh, there are 19 people on this indictment under RICO, this is not unprecedented for this office. Uh, D.A. Willis and myself a few years ago had a RICO case in which 35 individuals were indicted under RICO. Uh, Twenty-one of those individuals entered into negotiated guilty pleas and accepted responsibility and testified during the trial with 12 that actually were tried together. It's the longest criminal jury trial in Georgia history, a little more than eight months. But the complex was able to accommodate all those defendants, all those lawyers, uh, all the evidence. And uh, we were able to present a comprehensive case to the jury. uh, And 11 of the 12 uh, received um, guilty convictions. And so uh, the prospect of uh, this case is not overwhelming or unprecedented for this defense team in this office. They certainly
3: have a lot of experience in RICO, including an ongoing one um, right now. Appreciate it. Very good to have all your perspective.